Welcome back to Podside, everyone. This is, of course, Carlo. And welcome to everyone who's listening, because this is the first of our Year of the New Sun. We will be discussing Shadow of the Torturers, chapters I through V. Uh, that's, I believe that's Roman for one through five. I don't know. But um, uh, the gang's all here. Uh, hello, gang. And introduce yourselves. Uh, I'm I'm Pete. Uh, I've been on this show a couple of times, and I'm happy to be back. <laughs> hey there, it's Chris. H- hello, it's it's me, Crimson Simus, the Planarch of Rudadon, <laughs> lesser Untrian of the Gabled Way, <laughs> which is how everybody in this book is named so far. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, that, I think that's Kurt. That's just, um, that, that, that is Kurt. Some 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 have called me Kurt. Some have called you some. Kurt. Yes. Nobody say um, Tim. <laughs> also, no one mentioned the forbidden number. Um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, uh, I guess I guess we could talk about briefly uh, because Pete, you've read this before, right? You've you've read the entire series before, right? Yeah, but it's been a while. It's been a while. Okay, I've only ever gotten through Shadow of the Torturer. Uh, I, well. I got somewhat through uh, the next book, but I don't remember much of it. So uh, I, I think I'd mentioned that in our beer of the new run episode, but it bears repeating here. Um, but I do believe Chris and Kurt, you are both absolute noobs to this, right? I yes. have never, I have never before cracked this series or, or any other Gene Wolf series. There you go. Yep. Same here. All right. I, I, I am but an apprentice. <laughs> well, it's sort of fascinating to me because I, I, I haven't come across anyone who's read these that hasn't said this is one of the greatest wor- works of fantasy or science fiction that's that's extant. But I've also never really run into somebody who's like, oh, I remember it perfectly, and here's what happens. Oh. Uh, if they said that they remembered it perfectly, they would be Severian, Pete. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> fair. Fair. <laughs> um, and it, 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 it seems to me that somehow uh, this series is is in the zeitgeist for some reason. It, it is in the time ghost. Um, oh, it's because, because we're covering it. <laughs> well, yeah, yes, you're you're right. You're right. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I I've seen a bunch of people all of a sudden talking about it that that I don't like. I don't have anything to do with this podcast and people drawing like fan art of it. And, and mm-hmm. I'm just very, it's, I, I don't know. There's something, something going on, something going on. And I like it. I like the something that's going on and yeah. I like this book so far. Oh. All right. Cool. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So, so um, far, so far, <laughs> Gene, <laughs> you're well, on a tight you know. leash. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, he is the gene wolf. So be careful, <laughs> Kurt. <laughs> he might snip away some of your uh, DNA. <laughs> um, so uh, I guess why don't we um, talk, talk uh, to Chris and Kurt a little bit about. Uh, so what did you? What are your impressions so far? So uh, so far, I uh, am really really digging it. Um, you kind of uh, braced me beforehand that it can be dense and. It's dense, but it's very readable, which is quite the trick because it's, um, you know, it's not, it's, it's not like super flowery prose, but it's like 
but it's like uh elegant prose uh, it's it's just extremely well written i i am really really enjoying the prose and sever uh, severian's voice is just well uh well well um you know communicated and and it's just yeah so I, i'm i'm really um enjoy, enjoying it I, i'm particularly enjoying um how it feels at this point in time, it feels more fantasy than science fiction. Um, mm-hmm. And like, but like there's little peaks of, of science fiction coming through that I really like. I, so I, I like that, that aspect of it um, that, yeah. So, so far it's been fun. Yeah. I agree with what Chris said um, with a caveat that I'll get to in a moment. Overall, uh, I really like the, um, the the almost like bricolage way that it kind of assembles a a tone and and style like like it at 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 no point does Severian the narrator go hold on let me take a step back and look up at my citadel and describe it to you from top to bottom there are seventeen floors and blah 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 and surrounding it are these he's just kind of it's very it's a very like discursive book where it's kind of has like little digressions and sometimes the narration will pause to reflect on something and it bit by bit builds this very um it it reminds me of uh kind of somewhere between something like Warhammer 40k and like the Bass Lag books almost by uh, mm-hmm. China Meville um in that it's this very it's it's this kind of like it's this very weighty kind of gothic setting that also feels kind of feels very dusty and also I, I don't know it's just it feels very busy um it's got it's got a really neat tone to it that is at once somewhat ponderous and propulsive um it, it's taking like big heavy stompy footprints you know uh, f- f- like f- <laughs> footfalls that go on forever and echo through endless stone corridors so um, kurt have you ever read gormengast I have read Gormenghast. I've read so, I read the first book, yes. My vibe on this to some extent is what if Gormenghast wasn't funny? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um that that was one of the so the Gormenghast was what was a touch point that I was thinking of. The other one that I was thinking of is um and, and this is, you know, th- this is something that came quite a bit later. Uh I, I mentioned 40k for a particular reason, which is um there's a there's a subsetting of 40k, Warhammer 40k that has um so so one of the things of Warhammer is that uh many worlds are cut off from each other. And so there are worlds that are far future worlds where people live in kind of these massive cyberpunk megalopolises that cover the entire planet there's planets where people just kind of live you know a pre-industrial life and are disconnected from you know the vast space empire that put them there then there's these things called night worlds and night worlds which is k-n-i-g-h-t world not n-i-g-h-t world um although that is also something that plausibly could exist in in warhammer they are worlds that have been colonized with high technology but then a very rigid medieval style culture was imposed upon them and they're called night worlds because they're based around basically giant giant mech uh robot suits that are piloted by hereditary families called knights um and so it's it's basically like king Ar- it's it's like it's like you know king arthur or like you know mid medieval 
Uh, but also they have giant mechs and some high technology. And that's kind of the vibe I get from this is this, this bit where it's like the society and the aesthetic is a very pre-modern aesthetic. But then like what Chris said, every so often there's a peak of high technology or something that, that peaks through. I, I, I got, I got a nice little, uh, frisson when they mentioned something about, you know, uh, you know, when, when the, the Katagans would, would occasionally visit Earth, U-R-T-H. And I was like, ooh, ooh, what's going on here? What, you know, what, what could this mean? Um, so yeah, yeah. it's, it's an, it's a nice, yeah, it's, it's a nice mashing together of, of different, um, different styles and, and feels. And yes, Gormagast was definitely on my mind also. I do want to loop back around, which is that I had a caveat, which I mentioned yep, at the beginning. I was just going to ask, what was the caveat? I didn't like the first chapter at all. Mm. Um, uh, I, In fact, I, I found it really kind of clumsy in a way. It, it made sense later the more I read it. Um, but I felt like it was a lot weaker than the second, third, fourth, and fifth chapters. Um, uh, the there was a preponderance of like description of action that felt very clunky and it I, I i don't know i i i couldn't it was it was confusing and not in the way that i would expect a book like the beginning of a book to be confusing and there was a moment where i was like i hope that i hope that this is just me getting acquainted with the book and um and and not like me going to be gritting my teeth through the rest of it and there were there were moments of really really well polished writing um but between those it felt it felt very different than the rest of the book has felt and i, I don't know if it's just I, I i don't care for how gene gene wolf writes uh writes action um but i i don't know it 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 graded on me in in, in a way that as soon as i got to the beginning of, of, of chapter two i was like okay this is the shit yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> all right well, so um, it, by the way, did anyone read the uh, the appendix? I, I only mentioned this because uh, we we had mentioned it before, uh, and I was I wanted to talk about it because it is one of these things that I think we you and I, Kurt, had talked about this um, in like the Lord of the Rings uh, uh, episodes and whatnot. But it, this is uh, basically the appendix is says in in the first sentence that it is rendering this book originally composed in a tongue that has not yet achieved existence into English. (laughs) So he's pulling the same fucking trick, which Mm. is a found document. But this document is from the far future. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I did not read the read uh, any of the appendices, but that is delightful. Um, it, it is the funniest thing. And I, I Pete, I will say I, I'll push back slightly because there is humor here. It's just not readily apparent. You have to sort of sift through it to find out, you know, what the humor is. That You have to have a very high IQ to get some of the jokes <laughs> in, in Shadow you, of the Torch. You need to have a marble bust in your uh, Twitter avi to really get it. The Book of the New Morty. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> master girl is just just always drooling all the time no that's not good <laughs> no we're not we're not doing we're not doing this. no no yeah let, we like, shall not let, let's we close not off that path way. and keep going 
<laughs> yeah, we shall not lathe that one into existence. Thank you very much. So, um, so yeah, uh, uh, I guess we could start off with, so let me ask you this, Kurt, um, could, do you have any examples of where, like, I, I'm going to guess that you were talking about the action, um, specifically, but in the first chapter, I, I was just pointing out, uh, or, or rather earlier was like looking over and like thinking, oh, this, this really, you know, sort of stood out to me. Um, not necessarily, I don't know that I was looking for sort of flow, simply looking for what turns out to be, you know, information. Um, and I, I feel like there's a lot of that happening throughout the first, at the very least, the, the chapters we've re read so far, um, where it's setting up and just slyly or obliquely. Uh, giving you information that then informs you that yes, this is written in this sort of way that makes you think of a fantastical world, or as you said, uh, Kurt, uh, a night world. Uh, but you get these little flashes where it's like, oh no, um, why? Why is the Matachin Tower? Uh, its walls referred to as bulkheads, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. Or, or I, I did. I did pick oh. up on some of that, um, and it it did it did seem to me that perhaps the towers are spaceships, see, because they mentioned later on propulsion systems in in the lower levels or something along along those lines was the impression I was getting. And there's been references to you know her uh, in in later chapters like people's families were waiting to be summoned to the stars by the autarchs and so on and so forth. I'm I'm, I'm getting little little bits of that maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chris, you were going to say something. Well, yeah, and the like in the first chapter, um, there's like a laser bolt. There's there's mm -hmm. some sort of laser gun. Um, like that came that was un unexpected, I guess. Um, at that you know that early that we you would get that peek at, at the the science fiction side of this. Yeah, it it if I'm remembering correctly, it says vi violet energy. Yeah. So right off the bat, it's trying to give you little hints that. Yeah, this isn't just a regular gun. It's supposed to be like a ray gun of some sort. Yeah, uh, that that's. I think it, the the line is that violet energy split the darkness like a wedge or something like that. So that's right. Yeah, and but but I like that it's just it's juxtaposed. Excuse me, juxtaposed. Ah, I can't talk tonight. It's 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 uh, put up against, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, like a a, a medieval uh, thing of uh, you know like people people guarding against grave robbers like which mm -hmm. seems like a very medieval type of uh thing to do you know like guard guarding the uh the cemetery from from grave robbers yeah they're they're like carrying pikes and shit like that yeah but i even even the description like what is a wedge like a, a wedge is an old ass way to split open yeah <laughs> like a piece of wood or whatever you know so it's it, it even in the description of the laser bolt you get like this weird sort of reference to an old ass tool you know right yeah uh, so something i noticed is um uh gene wolf doesn't uh doesn't use i i, I can't keep doing <laughs> so, something i noticed is um so there there is a very funny uh uh raymond chandler bit where where he describes what sci-fi sounds like to him uh and and i just want to hold on a second i'm calling it up so i can uh so I can find the little the little quote uh, I've I've 
I, I've made a fool. Oh, here we go. Uh, he he was he was writing a letter and said, "Did you ever read what they call science fiction? Um, it's a scream. It all reads like this." My breath froze into pink pretzels. I flicked on the heat bars and the Brillis ran swiftly on five legs using the other two to send out Krylon vibrations. Um, <laughs> and, and, and one of the things that, that he's making fun of is, is like using kind of weird words to give you an, like an impression of like alienation and like off, off balance to kind of throw the reader like, Ooh, what are all these words? And, and um, uh, Gene doesn't really do that a whole lot. he, he he mostly describes the if or or at least when he does it he's using old words as you mentioned there's a lot of like uh there's a lot of like um references to like greek and roman terminology mm-hmm. or hierarchical structures for instance um or, that or that, prehistoric animals yes um mm. or, or specifically there's a part where severian describes like the, the uh Voldarae, I, I believe, and that's that. That's a Roman construction of like a group of people who were sworn to a particular person or to a particular to a a particular caste. Um, is is like that's that's you know the the way that you would basically take an and you know a name or an adjective and make it into a plural collective noun. Yeah. Um, well, and, and all all the coins know. too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's and right, or yeah. or he mentions um he mentions that there's like a a, a lesser a, a less valuable uh coin co- called an oracalc which which is you know f- from uh is oracalcum is a a possibly legendary possibly real metal that was described in in Greek sources a lot. So yeah, there's it, it's it, it's it's a nice jarring effect as you said of like creating that distance by using old language instead of instead of I. I zinged off this, you know, the spangle beam or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like Dazzler from X-Men. <laughs> she bejeweled uh, the, the discotheque. Um, but yeah, so. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I think that the first chapter may, uh, like, honestly, it, it. I go back and forth because I, I, I do see what you're saying, Kurt. But also, like it's setting up a lot of that um, that tone, and uh, also like setting up the tone of the entire, I guess, the entire work. Where you know you start off with, "I may have had a presentiment of my future," and it's a perfect way to open when you slowly start realizing that this is as much memoir as hagiography. Mm-hmm. Uh, I it- would wager. Five dollars, five shiny new dollars, five shiny new orakalki. Um, <laughs> that uh, that he that that the second chapter was written first, mm. because the second right. chapter to me reads like a beginning. It has a very strong beginning, and I suspect uh, this is just me totally prognosticating and guessing. But it's it struck me as I read it, like when when I got to it, I was like, I feel like he wrote this, and then either decided or got feedback that this this took too long to get going if you do it this way and it just feels like a big exposition dump or mm. or maybe he just knew that you know it's it's not you know it, it's it's tiresome to begin a, you know a, a story this dense with just exposition and so let's let's start and give some some you know a slice of life of what's going on in in this setting but i, I don't know it it feels to me like like something that was that was intention that was added with with intentionality <sighs> after some writing had been done 
Or maybe he got to the end and realized, oh, I need to sort of, you know, figure out that's how true. to loop yeah, it. That's true. <laughs> there, there's a record scratch. I, I bet you're wondering say, how. I, bet you're wondering how I got here. <laughs> that's yep, exactly that's me. what I was thinking of. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> record scratch. I may have had a presentiment of my future. <laughs> um. So I I did want to point out. Uh, speaking of uh, how uh, Gene Wolf uses language. Um, so. I've been I've been listening to the audiobook of it, which has given me some you know some pointers on how to pronounce things. Um, so, how do you pronounce the river that he, uh, he they were all swimming in? Hmm. Uh, uh, hold on, let me find it. Gaiol. Uh, yeah, that that's that's the way. So, do you know what? That's, the, that's how I would have pronounced it too. Yeah, Gaiol. Yeah. Yes. So how do you pronounce, and maybe you already know this, but how do you pronounce this word? G-A-O-L. Jail. Jail, yeah. It is jail. But how would you pronounce it if you didn't know it was pronounced Gowl. Jail? Gowl. Gowl, yeah. yeah. So there's a couple of things I want to call out here for the convenience of the readers. One is that this is a work of fiction, and if you want to call it a gowl for the purposes of this reading <laughs> exercise, you are you have my blessing. Um, the second is at the pace we're doing this, uh, you could probably read the five chapters in about the same amount of time that it takes you to listen to this podcast episode. So I mean, that's I mean, isn't that the whole purpose of, uh, of taking a year to do the entire book? <laughs> yeah, multiple books. <laughs> Just slowly doing this. <laughs> I just like I, I want people to feel heartened because that like you know I I got the I got the book one and it's like what uh, about six hundred pages long and well that's that's normal for me I know that it's not normal and mm. I just I just want to emphasize that like th- this is going to be accessible. So uh, you're talking about the uh, the one that that compiles both the first two cha- the first two uh books yes long novellas or whatever yeah i mean uh, to be fair like each one of them is a is yeah like slightly uh slightly over 200 something pages so uh it, it yeah I, I don't i don't find it to be particularly onerous uh in page count uh it is dense in what it's trying to do and we can we probably get into the you know the the, the next chapter is a little bit because um, I think to to perhaps build on what Kurt was saying earlier, I feel like each one of these chapters propels something, but they don't feel like they're fully connected to each other. They're they're not chronological in the same way that you would expect from like a, a modern sort of mainstream sort of uh, sff novel or whatever yeah yeah nor nor do they end in cliffhangers they don't they it, it feels like so so they're short chapters i mm-hmm. read uh, to actually to pete to your point so i i pete i thought i thought you were you were harrying us along as you sometimes <laughs> do when we just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and oh. i was like but we got we, this only took me an hour to read so so <laughs> it's fine if we talk about it for an hour we've got an hour um but but you are you yes yes you you are right it 
it is approachable. It is not unapproachable. So like my complaint about the first chapter, like me not liking it, it, it took me about nine minutes to read the first chapter. So you could just kind of go through it and be like, yeah. okay, whatever. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on to the next yeah, I mean, bit. I'll, I'll say this, that like um, to that same point and building on it, uh, every time I found something that I was sort of struggling over because I didn't understand exactly what was going on, I basically stop put a finger, you know, like mark it with my finger yeah. page. And it was like basically two or three more pages to, to the end of the chapter. And you're like, oh, okay, I could do this. And, and honestly, it is totally heartening to, to really see that and be like, okay, so this is going to be a little difficult, but I could probably do this for another three, <laughs> three pages. And then you get to another chapter that doesn't necessarily <laughs> Like it, it doesn't feel like it's directly connected. Uh, especially those f these first chapters don't necessarily feel super connected to each other. Yeah, they they seem very much of like you know here's a couple days in this guy's life um, to to give you some some background before the stuff really gets going. Yeah, at this point, there's no real indication that this is going to go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this this could turn into a short story, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, like, uh, it, it's it it could wrap up where all of a sudden it turns out to be about you know the dog that he befriends <laughs> in chapter four or something. You know, it, it's 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 it, it's it's not like uh, okay. The first chapter does begin very much in media res, and he does meet someone who does seem very important to the ongoing story. Uh, I could be wrong about that. Um, and, and so, yes, it does kind of establish some, some of the terms, uh, but it's not it's it's not. It's not doing this thing that a lot of SFF books do where they they, they spend the first like 10 pages building up to the big event. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Or, or at least if it is, it, it hasn't. It hasn't indicated what, what 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 that event shall be. Or it was just the event in the first in the first uh, in the first chapter, but you really don't know what the hell it's describing exactly yeah. the first time you read it. It's like uh, they're trying to get it. Actually, that that was something very funny. They're trying to get into somewhere. You don't really understand where. It's only three or four chapters later that you find out that they're trying to get back into where they're supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> because the gate was closed because they were basically out too too late. <laughs> Past curfew. Yeah. Well, which is I, which is something that that you could have explained in the first chapter but it it actually wasn't that important to do so. Yeah. Well, I I do I do think that it's it's rather um again, slyly giving you like this weird information that you don't know any context for. So you don't really connect it to anything just yet. Um because I believe it's uh, it's when they're they're challenged at the gate that uh, Drot says, uh, you know, we won't rob you of your dead, and you're like, wait, what, what, how, how yeah. what, what now? <laughs> <laughs> so people are robbing the dead. Chris, were you about uh, to say something in there? I thought I heard you uh, make a noise that sounded uh, like about to say something. Um, no, that was not me. Okay, never <laughs> Just, mind. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, so uh, I guess another question. It's sort of weird, right? Because um, this is sort of a memoir, right? Why does why do we not get all the information that Severian knows? Mm. Uh, oh, oh! I actually took a note about this um, specifically, mm -hmm. which is um, it. 
it it builds tension, right? Because you realize that that the narrator has information that is just being trickled to you a little bit, uh, almost almost like a, almost like in a slasher film when a shadow moves across a wall, right? Uh, but but you don't see the thing. So so in particular, um, uh, I I I wrote down specifically. I like the ominous asides, and there's a moment where. Severian is talking about the the punishment that that they think that they would get if they got caught, you know, sneaking out. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then he basically says, you know, in reality, they probably would have just beat us. Uh, yeah. Such is the kindness of the torturers whom I was subsequently to betray. And, and, <laughs> yes. and it, it's it's a very nice little like, here's a bit. It, it's I'm going to betray them eventually. Uh, little did he know. And then it just moves on. Yeah. Well, and yeah, to, to that um, point. I, I I really liked how um chapter one ended, where you know th- there's this like random action beat in in a, a graveyard, and you're it's you're, you're there's really not a whole lot uh giving context to it, uh, but like you you get the sense that he's like this lowly uh, apprentice, and then at the very end it's just well this is how I backed into the throne, and it was yeah, like yeah. oh <laughs> oh shit like this is where it's going, and like that's I I thought that was a really nice tantalizing like little clue there at the end. Well, it, it uh, the the other thing that uh, really uh, interested me was that um, in in the telling here, as soon as Severian re, uh, talks to Vodalus, right, who is the 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 person in charge of apparently robbing a grave, mm-hmm. whose grave we don't know, we never find out, uh, or at least in in this chapter we don't know who that. At the this hell that point, is. we don't know, right? Well, and that's the thing. I think that that's. That's really interesting because um, maybe Severian would have known. I don't know, you know, because later on we 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 definitely get Severian. I think it's an, even in chapter two he starts off with like uh, something about memory oppresses me. He can't forget anything, right? And and yet <laughs> and yet <laughs> he doesn't tell us everything either. Uh, so as soon as he going back to the, the to the action at hand, as soon as he meets uh, Vodalus, he he pronounces himself, "Oh, I am part of the Vodaleri, and uh, we have been waiting for you." And you're like, "Wait, what? Huh?" Oh, yeah, okay. So so I had a question about that, and I just went back and looked, and I kind of I kind of get it now. I think I was very confused by that because it it appears as if Severian knows what he's talking about, and then. And then immediately after one, he's like, I don't know who Vodalus is. But but th- <laughs> then I noticed that there is a that after he mentions I am part of the Vodalarii, but one of the one of the thousands of whom you are scarcely aware, he mentions it's like it's a term that I barely knew what it meant. So I I, I am I am now thinking it was just kind of like bullshitting in the moment. Like that that's that's how I'm taking it. But I, I was very confused by that for a moment. Well, I I also uh, thought of it in the sense that he's just watched this guy like basically own two guys, and you know you you go like, well, I'm 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 with you, I'm with you. Uh, please don't kill me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but but also like, okay, maybe. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, in part because that second chapter, like not long after that, you get to the second chapter where he's talking about like memory oppresses him and he cannot forget anything. He re- he has perfect recall. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Hold up a tick. Yeah. 
but but then later, of course, he he says it was then that I realized that I was probably somewhat insane. Uh, right. and, yeah. <laughs> and I and and perhaps per, perhaps my perfect remembering was was, you know, me remembering nonsense. Basically, I just remember the nonsense perfectly, which which I thought was a nice little but which which is a nice conceit. And again, it's like it's it's ominous. And you're like, huh, wonder <laughs> Sever, Severian looking at a picture of Severian set saying you are not immune to uh, propaganda he goes huh wonder who that's for <laughs> <laughs> yeah or or he, you know a polaroid of himself that says don't believe his lies yeah. <laughs> or or you know a polaroid of himself and that says underneath je ne suis un severian uh, <laughs> um so this, uh, this is a uh, remarkably deep cut episode guys i'm very impressed <laughs> So uh, speaking to that, and I, I forget now, I, oh, okay. So this is pa- uh, chapter three, uh, page 28. There's something here that I, I don't know. Maybe I haven't read enough philosophical treatises or what have you, um, where he's talking about uh, symbols, right? And he says that we hmm. believe we invent symbols. The truth is that they invent us. We are their creatures shaped by their hard defining edges. So, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's also like really compelling. It's like one of these things that I I actually like thought about it. And I was like, well, you know what? I'm gonna write this down because that sounds cool. But also, it sounds like wait, is this like some sort of Platonic or Arist- Aristotelian uh, hmm. like perfect uh, form <laughs> or something like that? I don't know. I, I have no idea. I interpreted it as in part a like Marshall McLuhan type observation of, you know, the the message is shaped by the medium through which it moves. So the symbols that we use to represent things shape us more than we shape them. You know, we 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 are shaped by the symbology that we have available to us. That is the psychological landscape through which we move was how I took it. Oh. My mistake, I, I and not my mistake. I should say, uh, I should add to that that this is, I think, in the context of him talking about the um, the Chrysos that Vodalus hands to him in chapter one. Right? Uh, he sticks it in his pocket, and he hints here that um, that the face on the coin, on the obverse, there should be a face, right? And generally speaking, it's usually the face the androgynous face of the autarch. Uh, but he has, I guess in his mind, he's thought that it's Vodalus's face that should be on there. And uh, l- not much later, he, he digs it up and looks at it. I think this is like at the, <clears throat> almost at the end of chapter three or in chapter four, where he yeah. looks at it and he's, he, he's like desperate to, 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 to look at it again. And he, digs it out and he looks at it and he's like, oh, but the face wasn't the, you know, like it's, it wasn't the Vodalus's last face. sentence of chapter four. It's there the we go. very last sentence of it. Yeah. And, but, but again, again, we, we just like, we don't know whose grave <laughs> was stolen. We don't know whose face is actually on the coin. We just know that it's not, it's not photoless. Well, and, and that's similar to, <clears throat> excuse me. He, uh, he, 
uh, Severian relates that um, he hangs out in just a random crypt uh, that he's kind of adopted as his own, and he's kind of like adopted their their uh, coat of arms and and their symbology as his own as well. Even though he has no clue who the family is that he you know where, that he's hanging out with, but um, so I, I think there's there's a sense of like uh, clinging to an already existing icon rather that like would rather than like creating an icon to uh, you know uh, represent yourself. Right. Well, and and that uh, those icons are also very sort of um, loaded with with meaning, right? Mm-hmm. I don't remember. It says it's it's like a ship volant, uh, and I don't know whether it specifies if it's a old timey ship or a new ship. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it says something rocket. about under sail, but I'm not sure. I don't know. I yeah, could I be think, wrong about that. No, I think you're right. I think it does say under <clears throat> sail. But also, is under sail the same thing that we we know? It could you know, be a solar sail. Oh, who knows? But also over, like flying over a rose, which is a very sort of um, let's just say a very um, Christian symbol. Mm. <laughs> I, I would say all I, I can think a, of is uh, is uh, the seal song. <laughs> <laughs> Kiss from a rose on the gray. Baby. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> excellent. Well done. This Carl. is the reference episode. Yeah, <laughs> we're riffing, baby. We're riffing. Uh, but yeah, so um, I, I, you know, I, I, I do have to say, and and maybe, uh, maybe it's just the dog owner in me, uh, Pete. You can maybe back me up on this. But the tricycle, uh, like uh, chapter chapter four. Like there's something that was so touching about how it starts. Uh, I think uh, I, I even wrote it down. It was like um, uh, basically he finds like this, you know, like uh, some sort of mastiff and or sort of pity type dog, like just thrown out because they 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 share a courtyard with like the bear tower and the witch tower, which may or may not also have bulkheads. Hmm. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but uh, basically, the bear tower is, is the animal handlers, and uh, he uh, they whenever they they fight the animals, uh, they'll they'll just dump out the ones that didn't survive. And he found like this sort of pit mastiff, whatever, whatever. And he said that um, he seemed as dead as the rest, but he opened one eye then and rolled it at me, and there was a confidence in it that the worst was over now. And like, it goes on to, to say that like, you know, I've, I've borne my part. Now it's you've, you know, now it's your turn to, to help, help me, you know, or something to that effect. And it, it, it really sort of, um, speaking of, uh, sort of, uh, Catholic and or Christian themes, uh, the fact that, uh, Triskel's, uh, right foreleg is just crushed and he has to have it amputated to really uh, nurse him back to health. And so then he becomes a three, like he's a dog that has faith that his fellow man will, will uh, carry him through the dark time. And he's got three Wait, sturdy. I, I hear him. I hear him in the back. <laughs> yeah. Calling. Right? <laughs> Damn Carl, it, your, your reading is uh, evoking. So, <laughs> well, it looks like Severian finally found him again. <laughs> Just needed to listen to the dog barking in the distance. So, because well, that's the thing, right? It, it dis- the uh, Triskel disappears after a while. Yeah. Can, can I, I ask liked- you? 
Oh. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I, can I just ask a, a question uh, about the bear tower and, and the bear handlers? Um, are, are they fucking the bears? <laughs> well, so 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 let me let me just say, and, and um, I know Pete, you probably have a little bit more uh, experience with this now. Out after to write good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I will say I will say that um, I I I took it at face value, but this is one of those jokes, right? It's a layered joke that uh, I believe our uh, one of our patrons, Zach uh, <laughs> Zach B, if you're out there. This is a call out. Thank you for for pointing out that this is nothing more than Severian misunderstanding the phrase animal husbandry. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I get oh, my word. Because, <laughs> I mean, we <laughs> could have gone drill with this, too. It's like, buddy, they don't let me fuck the bear. <laughs> 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 or, I mean, honestly, or like, it's it's impossible to say at this point. Like, yeah. Like, it, right, like it, it that's entirely plausible for the way that their guild is is constructed, right? Like it, it's got this weird obsessive, you know, s- symbology. Uh, well, I, I, yeah, and I think because like he's, you know, he he mentions about you know they take uh, a lioness or bear sow in marriage, uh, after which he shuns human women, and then uh, you know he goes through all this stuff about how you know all guilds are kind of alike and blah blah blah, and then it says all love that which they destroy. So like that's why I was like, oh boy, yeah, there's there's some possibly some bear fucking oh, going on. Oh, something that I liked by the way in the stuff with uh, I'm going to say Triskele, uh, and not and not Triskel, even if that is the correct pr- pronunciation, because I believe that mine is the the more the more uh, the more Roman pronunciation, and I gosh darn it. I'm going to savor my my misbegotten classics education. Um, <laughs> is uh, I liked the inversion where the first time that you see Severian use his skill as a torturer is actually to heal to, to heal something. Yeah, and and he yeah. mentions that you know he he's able to amputate the leg and uh, tie off the artery so that uh, Triskele doesn't doesn't bleed out, but because you know. The, the master torturer showed him how to do that with with uh, stumps. Yeah. 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 It, it makes that, you that, think, huh? <laughs> huh. Interesting. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, it, and I think that that also uh, sort of ties in with the idea that the tricycle is, Oops. you know, he's he's uh, willing to uh, he has faith. And that faith is supported by three sturdy limbs. Uh, Sorry for the loud oops. I dropped my phone, but it's fine. (laughs) I I think you can take it on faith that I'm not going to give anyone crap for background (laughs) noise. (laughs) Sorry. I I meant to say bark, 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 bark. (laughs) Growl. Um, So anyway, let's get to the meat of it. This is the moment when we find out, like, without doubt, um, what exactly uh, the world of Earth is, right, in Chapter 5. Yes. So, Chris, tell me about the knight with the visor on a barren wasteland. Yes. So at some point, uh, Severian, like, it, you know, gets elevated to, uh, he's the head of the apprentices and he gets some new, uh, errands such as taking messages. Uh, and he, he ends up going, seeking out the, I believe it's the archivist is, is the name. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. and he, 
comes across this guy um, cleaning paintings and he takes a good look at this one painting and he, he describes it as kind of like a, well, actually that was, so Carlo, you had suggested we come with some um, passages we liked and mm-hmm. that was the one I liked. Um, so uh, he showed an armored figure standing in a desolate landscape. It had no weapon, but held a staff bearing a strange stiff banner. The visor of this figure's helmet was entirely of gold without isolates or ventilation in its polished surface. The deathly desert could have been seen in reflection and nothing more. Uh, and he, he took it as some sort of like ancient warrior type type guy. But, uh, and like upon first re- reading, I kind of was just like, Oh, it's kind of a weird description. And then I was like, Oh wait, that's a picture of the moon landing. <laughs> oh, I thought it was something like that, but I couldn't figure out what it was. That's very cool. Well, okay, I like that. I mean, it's it's it's. Uh, I think it's uh, it's paid off like right the next page where the um, where I think the picture cleaner says, um, uh, or actually, I'm sorry, Severian says, "Is that the moon? I've been told it's more fertile." Uh, which, brief aside. Every mention of moonlight that we've had until this moment has mentioned the green moonlight. Mm. So let's put a pin in that just briefly. Uh, and so the, the, the picture cleaner responds by saying, now it is, yes. This was done before they got it irrigated. See that gray-brown? In those times, that's what you'd see if you'd look up at her. Not green like she is now. Didn't seem so big either. Because it wasn't so close in. That's what ah. old Branwalladers used to say. Now there's trees enough on it to hide Nilamon as the saw goes. And uh and Severian says, uh seize his opportunity to say Orvotilis. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I like that. Yeah. I got a sense it was something like that, but then I was like, I need to finish reading this. Because I have to record yeah. in seven minutes. <laughs> so no I didn't time have time to, to pause and think. Nice. Well, you got here in time, Kurt. <laughs> yes, I did. And I read it all. Excellent. So um so I guess the 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 thing here is that that's the thing that really if you haven't picked up on the oblique stuff before that's the moment where you're you're sort of kicked in the face right sort of by the the description and the the sort of conversation that they're like oh there's forests on the moon now <laughs> they've terraformed the moon <laughs> right exactly yeah and, and uh it's just it's just such an a, a, an odd image uh for me like cuz like you know like uh you're going along and it's relatively you know fantasy setting and and then all of a sudden there's just you know a picture of a guy on the moon which would be you know i'm i'm picturing like the you know almost like a a lost type show where that would be like the ending of a season (laughs) like that would be like Uh the big reveal like (laughs) (laughs) and that's why visual media is is inferior to the written word because well, you couldn't possibly obscure that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, and, I mean, and, you, and and he drops to... it and he just drops it in the middle of like the what the fifth chapter of the book, too. So it's and, like and it's and it's not made explicit. It's not which, right. which to me means it's not it's not it's not it's not strictly speaking necessary to appreciate the to, to follow the story, which I which I appreciate because a lot of times a lot of a lot of writers, I think, come up with these things where they're like. Let's see if 
the audience picks up on this, but then they're like, oh, wait, I need to tell them because if they don't, then they're not going to understand the story. <laughs> and, yes. and, and I, I like that. It's just like a, it's just like a little piece. It's, it's kind of like what we talked about with, um, uh, with uh, Lord of Light. Where it's it's like there's like a meta narrative that that you you don't need to pick up on, but if you do, it's like an extra little you know there, there's there's extra qualities to it. Yeah, you get some extra credit. You know. Yeah. <laughs> um. But but yeah, like um, I I just find it like that's the type of thing that really endears this work to me because it's like oh he's willing to like slyly make these uh descriptions but nothing that's like really on the you know like heavy-handed it's sort of very much like in retrospect you go well yeah because severian lives in this world he wouldn't make a big deal of like wow the moon is green (laughs) you're like yeah he's lived the whole his whole life with the moon being green that's not that's not that's not like surprising. That's right. Normal. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. It shows Gene Wolfe's um, like very deft touch. Uh, what when he's writing this, like it's incredibly deft. Uh, yeah. Deft. Yeah. I agree. Deft. I, I also. <laughs> just very very subtle jo- very subtle jokes uh everyone's like sitting there like should i laugh just slow i heard somebody I, say jesus under their <laughs> uh um <laughs> but i i also liked uh before that i liked that he runs across like these two uh armagers which uh, if i'm remembering correctly like there's uh the exultants which are like the the nobility right um there's the armagers which are basically uh sort of lesser nobility that come to <clears throat> that uh, nobility through force of arms mm-hmm. therefore armagers uh, I think uh, we we haven't met any yet. I think, but there's like a trader class, trade trader, not traitor, <laughs> just in case. Um, yeah, like basically the tradesmen, you know, merchants, that type of thing, which I believe are called optimates, and then you know, uh, the 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 guildsmen, which Severian is one of. Uh, many. So I was curious about the optimates because, um, again. Some classics education uh, in in ancient Rome, the optimates were basically um, uh, people people who wanted the Senate to remain to remain in control, uh, or or they were they, they were they were supporters of kind of the Senate as aristocratic rule versus uh, the the populares. Who mm-hmm. were the other kind of politician? Who were people who sought power from from the people and were kind of like like rabble rousers, essentially. That's that's funny because like my classics education, I thought they were like big robots that turned into trucks. <laughs> <laughs> Optimates premates. <laughs> oh no, no. <laughs> No, optimates so, prime. <laughs> so, so, um, I I am reading on Kindle, and something that's nice, but sometimes misleading about Kindle is that if or, or other ebook readers is that it it has um if you highlight a word, you can see the Wikipedia and dictionary definition for it. Um, 
and uh, uh, armature was was a word that I could infer the meaning of, but I didn't know the literal correct meaning of. And apparently, it is somebody who who for heraldric or hereditary reasons is is allowed to bear arms is mm. is what like the proper our world definition of an armager is so like you probably wouldn't use it in this way but a samurai is an armager mm-hmm. because they are allowed to carry a sword because they are from a a one of the one of the correct families essentially mm-hmm. or or a knight or a knight yes or a knight a knigget um <laughs> Yes, I mean, uh, I think that that's more or less the yeah. Like uh, when 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 Severian meets the armatures, they give him like the uh, like the roundabout way to get to the stacks, right? Where he's trying to get. <laughs> I like that. He's he's trying to get to the um to the to the uh, curator of the library, and uh, dude gives him the right way. It's just simply that's the front way, and it isn't until. Uh, Basically, they one of the two re- recognizes his garb because he's wearing his um his fuligen cloak. Which uh, a brief aside, fuligen is a color deeper than black. Um, so it's blacker than black, and he re- recognizes him and says, "Oh, you don't know? Uh, he's he's just, he's a torturer." And he's like, what? "So basically, they 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 hustle away." like somewhat perturbed by the fact that there's a torturer in, you know, that crossed their path. Like it's a, like it's a, 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 a harbinger of ill omen or something to that effect. And I, I did laugh a little bit because it was like, well, it's better if he's in front of us than behind us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, yeah, the, oh, go ahead. The, the instant recoil that a lot of people have to, to the, the torturers was a nice touch. It was just like, People recognize what they do, and they're just like, you know, they they don't they don't want to be around them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so yeah, I think um, uh, any I guess any uh, outstanding uh, passages, thoughts, dirty limericks that we may have regarding the first five chapters of Shadow of the Torture. Uh no, but I I have a proposal that next time around we do uh we do a reading at least a short one. There we go. Okay, so sounds so good. I I have two paragraphs that I would mm. like to read, and one of them is not from Shadow of the Torturer, Uh-oh. nor is it written by Gene Wolfe, and and um but uh I think it is very close to his style, and it struck me v- very strong. So um if I may, I would like to read it and see if anyone recognizes it. Uh, or at least recognizes who wrote it. And I bet you will. Uh, There is an ecstasy that marks the summit of life and beyond which life cannot rise. And such is the paradox of living. This ecstasy comes when one is most alive and it comes as a complete forgetfulness that one is alive. This ecstasy, this forgetfulness of living comes to the artist caught up and out of himself in a sheet of flame. It comes to the soldier war mad on a stricken field and refusing quarter. And it came to Buck leading the pack sounding the old wolf cry, straining after the food that was alive and that fled swiftly before him through the moonlight. Does anyone recognize that? Well, I mean, it's it's a werewolf story. I don't know who wrote it, though. Anyone else? No, I, I didn't recognize it. It's Jack I don't know, Call of the Wild? Yes, ah. yes, Call of the Wild. Yes, it is Jack London from Call of the Wild. And here, here is a Gene Wolfe um, 
uh, bit. Let me find the one I wanted to read. Uh, it is my nature, my joy, and my curse to forget nothing. Every rattling chain and whistling wind, every sight, smell, and taste remains changeless in my mind. And though I know it is not so with everyone, I cannot imagine what it can mean to be otherwise, as if one had slept when, in fact, an experience is merely remote. So to me, the structure of those paragraphs is very similar, as is the way that it is integrated into the narrative, um, because both of them come within a linear narrative, and they are the, the, the narrator taking a step back to pontificate about life using long, winding, meandering sentences that are al almost Victorian in their structure, um, and they, have, they're, they're, they feel very weighty and important and and Gene Wolfe is really good at writing these. There's there, there's there's a few other ones that 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 I highlighted. Uh, we talked about some of them earlier about like such is the nature of man to destroy that which he loves. Um, I love that kind of writing. Um, that is my favorite kind of writing. So and and that 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 paragraph that I read came midway through my my little loved first chapter of this book, and so it, I was like, <clears throat> I I know I'm gonna come around. On this book because he he also can write like this and frankly it just sounds like jack london who is who is probably still my favorite author so he is he so, is a socialist and a badass and we stand yes yes so uh you're you're saying that it's a it's a, a passage that is sort of discursive and takes a step back you mean like for instance the locked and rusted gate that stood before us with wisps of river fog threading through its spike yes spikes like mountain paths remains in my mind now as a symbol of my exile second second sentence my buddy yes yeah <laughs> I mean, Although, it, it, uh, and, and 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 to be clear that was a good that was a good opening it has a good opening um mm -hmm, yeah and and i i i want to I, I was actually surprised that it that it introduced so many characters and so much dialogue so quickly um I was surprised by that because because it's yeah. a bold move to be like, hold on, buddy. Here's here's four characters having a conversation. You don't know any. Of them. Oh, it's like a blunderbuss, dude. <laughs> Boom. So can yeah. I say it's still a couple of minutes on and I'm proud as hell. I called out that paragraph. Yes. Yes. Good job. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. That was great. Good job. Yeah. Well, you know, in my in my uh I, I did I did a podcast a few years ago, Literature Slap Fight, where I would do an episode about an author and then I would like really? read Yeah. I've never and heard I'd, of this. Oh yeah, yeah. And I I'd read stories and one of them that I did was Call of the Wild and because Jack London's fucking awesome. He is fucking awesome. He he has uh what is to my mind um the the best turn of phrase. This is my this is my cellar door. All right. <laughs> and it's not even that good. But when I read it, it hit me so hard, and I still think about it. And it's sunlight smote the overcurl, and it's that's from the Sea Wolf, um, mm. and it's it's when a wave is washing over the protagonist and almost knocking him off the deck, and and he mm. looks up and sees the sun shining through this huge wave that's about to beat the shit out of him. Um, so anyway, I, yeah. Jack London is an underrated prose stylist, and I'm very happy to see Gene Wolfe writing in the same lineage as as him so he's also just a badass i mean name another author that sent a telegram to the president of the united states to get him out of japan because he was going to be executed for beating the shit out of a guy who slapped his horse wait wait is this jack london or gene wolf 
<laughs> I can't tell. I don't know. I don't know what to think. They're both pretty cool. Oh, that yeah, that's a that's a London story. Okay, okay, okay. All right. I was gonna say. <laughs> I was like, well, we got wow. we got an exclu- we got an exclusive, folks. Not only did he invent the Pringles machine, but <laughs> um. But yeah, uh, so yeah, I, I'm gonna guess that we're we're fired up to read the next five chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we'll, I guess we'll 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 talk to everyone again in a couple of weeks uh, and touch base on Shadow of the Torturer chapters uh, six through ten. So, welcome uh, to Earth. wow (laughs) nice all right so uh gents uh any last thoughts i liked the little bit of torture that we got to see i liked it i want some more torture (laughs) half boot yeah full boot (laughs) yes yeah i I liked i uh, imagine me uh, reading the book in front of a big, uh, in front of a big empty porcelain plate, holding a knife and fork and banging them on the table, going torture, torture, torture. <laughs> I, th- I thought you were going to say that you're looking, you're reading the book through a window, pressed up against it, going yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Cigar wearing a t-shirt, yeah, <laughs> wearing a t-shirt that says you know Sicariuses, yes, yes. All right, well. uh, Gents, thank you again for indulging me and uh, and reading some of Shadow of the Torturer. We'll probably be reading more as the year goes on. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> probably. Hey, anything's I, possible. <laughs> we we <laughs> could you imagine forum closed after? <laughs> <laughs> People be so mad. <laughs> <laughs> just just do the first five chapters of th- several different books. You get the idea. <laughs> Anyway, uh, thanks again, and uh, I guess we'll catch everyone next time here at Pod Time.